HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. Hello, everybody in Denver that's walking by our tent on Larimer Square. My name's Kat Johnson. I'm the communications director at Heritage Radio Network. Uh, I have my colleagues Katie and Hannah here. Hey. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. It's kind of like a little mini happy hour we have going. It is. It is. It's the happiest it's hour. <laughs> it's time. We have a happy hour regular with us, too. We have... <laughs> Someone who might as well be part of the HRN team. <laughs> the one and only Steven Satterfield. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> it's nice to be back. You're like not really the one and only Steven Satterfield, though, because there no, is, in true. fact, another one. There is another one. We, uh, the other Steven Satterfield, as we refer to him at Miller Union, he is um, my doppelganger on social media, yet we look nothing alike. Yeah, nothing alike. true. Uh, and we've become friends. We often text each other when it's each other's birthdays because we get Aww. false... Uh, Passing along your birthday wishes today. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or one, there was one time where I texted him. I said, do you have a reservation at this restaurant? Because I got your confirmation, and I, it's in San Francisco. I'm not going to be there. Oh, that's so funny. So we you should, to, If you had, you should have stolen his reservation. Except for I would have had to book a flight and get yeah. out there that day. <laughs> that would be... It's a little yeah. involved. <laughs> Stephen, why are you here? This is my table. I confirmed it. Um, so one thing we are excited to talk to you about, uh, we're going to get into all the amazing things that you have going on at the festival this weekend, but um, we discovered, because we wanted you to come to our gala, our, our annual gala, uh, we've been, we've, we're hoping to get you there one of these years, but... We are asking you about if you could make it, and you couldn't because you're also celebrating a 10-year anniversary. That's right, in November. So Miller Union will turn 10 years old. That's right. And it, it feels like Miller Union's been part of Atlanta for much longer than that. But I mean, tell me about it. It feels <laughs> like that, too. <laughs> no, it's funny. At 10 years, it's like... At the same time, it's a blink of the eye, but yeah. it's also like it feels like an eternity. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I always joke with my staff that my ghost is going to haunt the same five feet that I walk on Expo every day, asking for a runner to come and run the food. <laughs> so, um, whoever inherits that building, you know, 50 years from now, they're gonna I'm gonna be haunting them with that. Or it, runner hands hands runner. It'll still be Miller Union 50 years from now. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Um, what 
what's changed in 10 years, both for the restaurant, for you, and then for Atlanta? Wow, so Atlanta has changed dramatically in the past decade. I feel like every American city has really changed. People are flocking to cities. I mean, Denver, Denver has grown so much since I was here last year, it's mind-boggling. And the same thing is happening in Atlanta. There's just these uh, influx of people, a lot of young people moving to cities for new opportunities. Um, but what I love so much about the Atlanta food scene, it's, it's very integrated. There's so many different types of people all working together for a common goal. Um, the growing community in Atlanta is really strong. We have a lot of new young farmers, which is super exciting to witness. Um, our farmer's market scene has grown tremendously. The amount of chefs using seasonal local produce has quadrupled or quintupled in the past 10 years. And, and it's really cool to see all these different chefs using the same ingredients in different ways. So it's nice to like, you know, everyone's got their own little spin on what they're going to do with a peach this summer or whatever. And uh, it's just, it's really exciting to see so much um, enthusiasm around the local food movement. I feel like Georgia peaches are iconic in a way, and arguably the best way to eat them is to just eat them raw. Yeah. But is there a lot of pressure as a chef in Atlanta to do something new and creative every single season that peaches are available? Well, it's funny because um, tomorrow in Atlanta, it's Peach Fest. Oh. So there's probably 50 restaurants doing a different peach dish. So there is pressure yeah. to do something different and stand out. Um, and I obviously am not going to be there, so my chef de cuisine, Michael, is uh, is standing in and doing. And he was really excited about doing his own version of whatever peach he's going to make. So. Do you know what he's Do you, doing? Yeah, I want to know. Um, the dish. You know, we were so busy this week crossing crossing paths. Uh, um, I, I I have to say, I'm not 100 percent sure what he finished up with. Whoever has absolute faith. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be great. Whoever's in Atlanta, uh, send us a tweet and let us know what the Miller Union peach dish ends up being. Yeah, we want to know. Also, there's a company in Atlanta called Peach Dish. That's I know. That's what I was going to ask. Shout out. Like, what is Peach Dish doing with the Peach Festival? I wonder if they do. I bet they are doing something. I hope so. They have to be. What yeah. a missed opportunity if they don't. Um, right. I, while we're talking about Peach Dish, can I just throw out a little plug for They have this, like, seasoned salt that... Ha it, it's, a, it's a fancy salt, but it tastes like barbecue potato chips. And when I brought deviled eggs to our picnic the other day, I made them with that salt. Those were so smoky. Good. Oh, nice. really delicious. And I'm um, just putting in a plug for deviled eggs and for their delicious barbecue yeah. sauce. salt. The most devilish of eggs. Ooh. They were super devilish. <laughs> that makes me think of another question. So obviously we talk a lot about new restaurants in Atlanta, new farmer's markets. Our farmer's markets are growing, farms that are nearby. There's a lot of amazing farms in Georgia. But what about also small producers, like food producers in Atlanta? I think about beautiful Briny Sea. Yeah. Is a salt made there? Are there other small producers like that that you are particularly fond of? Well, we have two... Um meal kit uh, companies based out of Atlanta. One is Peach Dish. One is um, Garnish and Gather. They both have a strong focus on using local ingredients. Um, and yeah, Beautiful, beautiful Briny Sea is great. Big Green Egg is based in Atlanta. It's true. Um, Shout out. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people doing, um, a lot of the people at the farmer's markets have some value-added products. Mm -hmm. One of the farms that we work with, Greenola Acres, um, they produce about 50 different varieties of peppers and she um, takes back to the farm whatever they didn't sell at market and then smokes and dries them and wow. sells them as a value-added product 
So she wow. actually makes more money off the ones she didn't sell the first time. Wow. But it's a little more work that goes into sure. it. They're shelf stable and she can sell them year round. And we, we get a blend of like seven or eight different varieties and make our own uh, smoked paprika in house. Wow. And it is the most, it's the most incredible secret weapon for flavor in summertime dishes or even like in a winter stew. It's phenomenal. Put can that you talk on about the eggs. Yes, yeah. seriously. Can you talk about the process of making paprika? You take the dried peppers, crumble them up into the blender, and turn it on. Hey. No way. <laughs> That's it. You're you a genius. Just, you, you turn it, you just make sure your blender pitcher is very dry, no moisture whatsoever, mm-hmm. and turn it on high until all that dried pepper is pulverized into a fine powder. That's simply, that's what paprika is. It's dried peppers crushed into powder. Leave seeds in? No, we don't season with salt or anything like that. But, but, no, but when seeds. you're making the paprika, oh, the you seeds leave are the in. seeds in. Yeah, you leave the seeds in. in. Yeah. 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 So then you ha- we have some that are hot, some that are medium, some that are mild. Mm-hmm. So we can actually make like a hot paprika or a mild one if we want to tinker with what goes into the batch. That's, you just blew my mind, Stephen. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Can I share, while we're talking about blending dried things, uh, can I share a tip? Yes. Okay. So the other day, it was my friend's birthday, we were going to the beach, and I decided I was going to be a great friend and bring cupcakes to the beach. So uh, for my cupcakes, I went to Rose's Baking Basics, because Rose is just the, the greatest, and uh, I made the buttermilk, um, the buttermilk cupcake recipe, which is basically her take on a yellow cake, but it is extra delicious because of buttermilk. And then I wanted to make a strawberry cream cheese frosting. And in my head, I was like, how is that going to work? Because strawberries are very wet and cream cheese is not like super permeable to like watery stuff. So I was like really thinking about, and it's going to be at the beach and it's going to be hot. And I found a tip on the internet. Of course, I'm not going to remember the blog. I'm sorry, blog. Freeze dried strawberries. Freeze dried strawberries from Trader Joe's. (laughs) And I put them in the food processor with a lot of skepticism. Because I didn't think my food processor would powder them. You made strawberry powder. And I used a little powder. countertop one. And I just went, and they were instantly a fine, fine, fine powder. And I dumped that into my cream cheese frosting. And it was so tart and strawberry-y. Nice. And, like, perfect for the beach. And nothing, like, no And you could, like, shake out. a little over the top and make a little... Yeah. yeah. I, I was not that fancy. I did pipe them. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't further garnish... Um, but and it was are great. there any left? Where are the cupcakes? <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. you didn't bring any. <laughs> Her birthday is on July 4th, so we uh, definitely ate them all. We actually had that thing. This is another weird New York thing when um, you have leftover food at like a picnic, and um, you can just give it away in New York somehow. Like people will accept your food from that's been sitting outside. I don't know if this is like I haven't seen this anywhere other than New York, but I've been like, hey. Do you want, like, three deviled eggs that have been in my bag? Or, like, we had some extra cupcakes, and we just walked up and down Rockaway Beach, and we're like, you guys want a cupcake? And, like, 99% of people were like, yeah, sure. And then they were like, these are the best cupcakes ever. And I was just like, whoa, you you people are, like, have a death wish. But also, it was really cool. And they were really, like, I'm glad that they took the cupcakes because they were really good. Try that with Jell-O shots and see what people do. Oh, my God. No, that's (laughs) Nutcracker, Nutcracker, Nutcracker. Yeah, Yeah, if you you have booze on the beach. You know about Nutcrackers in New York City? What is that? It's like a drink that's only sold at the beach. Okay. And it's, I don't, it's like grain alcohol, right? It's like Kool-Aid and cheap grain alcohol. And there's this, like, mafia that sells it. um, And they just walk up at the beach and they go, nutcracker, nutcracker, nutcracker. Highly illegal. Wow. Highly delicious. Come hang out at the beach with us, Delicious? I mean, it's just Mm. a novelty thing. They they hurt. 
Yeah. They hurt they will you. Do, they get the job Hence the name. done. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a question for you related to your anniversary. Um, I'm curious if, like, as your menu has evolved over the past decade, are there any dishes that are so vitally Miller Union that they keep coming back or have stayed on the menu? Um, yes, there's a few. Yeah. Okay, so what, what are those dishes that are Well, we have our farm egg baked in celery cream mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. always on the dinner menu. Mm. And we sell at least one per table. Wow. And it's just, it's a very simple recipe. It's a farm egg cracked into a shallow bowl, rimmed bowl. And we make this cream that's infused with celery, onion, thyme, bay leaf, peppercorn. Mm-hmm. Very simple, but we just like, we basically sweat all this in a, in a pot, add the cream, and steep that cream for 30, 40 minutes, and then strain the solids out, and it's like a very savory tasting cream with an essence of celery. That goes over the egg, two ounces, and it's baked for four minutes, finished in the broiler, and then you just drag your bread through it. It's got a runny yolk. The whites are just barely, barely set. And uh, we have some delicious panel of and European-style sourdough to go with it that's been grilled with olive oil. Steven, it's you are now banned from coming on the show before I I know, I'm so hungry. <laughs> 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 okay, what, what, what else? Do it again. Do it again. Uh, we also have, we always have our feta snack, which is um, Decimal Place Farms, a local uh, goat creamery in Atlanta. They have farmstead cheese, so they raise the goats, and they're so cute. And, um, and then they milk on the farm, and she makes feta, chev, and a goat's milk cheddar. And we just crumble her feta, and we whip it with buttermilk, local buttermilk. And it's just like a feta dip. We put olive oil and black pepper on it, and we serve it with raw vegetables and crackers, and it's always on the menu. We always have some form of hummus, whether it's the Sea Island red pea or butter beans or English peas or... Crowders, just whatever kind of legume that we can get our hands on. Yeah. Do people say those dishes are life changing? Wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> no, we're not going to change your life. We're just going to give you a good meal. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm still like maybe going to dispute that, but um, but I, I thought your story about the greens was really great. Simply sautéed greens. They're simply, not life changing greens. They're simply, simply. sautéed. <laughs> Which um, is a thing that you want often. You do. You, I yeah. want that. You, really do. you know, uh, at Charleston Wine and Food, at the close of the closing event, which was Sunday night, Ann Quatrano and I did a dish together, and we served braised greens with a bunch of different toppings, and it was like one of the most popular mm-hmm. spots because everyone was so tired of eating pork belly and biscuits uh-huh. and pimento cheese, and it's like, here's a bowl of vegan greens. We made a smoked onion broth. So it had like the smoky flavor, but it wasn't ham. And then we had all these different toppings, cornbread croutons and hot sauce and chow chow, oh. crispy country ham. So and good. it was it was a big hit because you could it was kinda like the the chipotle of green bowls. You like you could just put whatever toppings you wanted on there and eat it right there. You might be onto something. And I do yeah. appreciate and you having a ham topping for a vegan green yeah. bowl just in case. <laughs> yeah. I got there open. could be a fast casual restaurant called that just like your base is greens. Mesa greens. Mesa greens. That's what I like called. that. I, copyright that. Yeah. Right ASAP. Now. Have you ever thought about doing I know like there's a good amount of chefs who were like the, the fast casual concept is the dream. I wouldn't say it's the dream. It might be the ticket. Well, that's a better, that um, is a better word for it. I have a, I struggle with fast casual because I think it's hard to keep the, um, the quality as high as what I would like. 
when you get into high volume. Um, but I, there are many successful versions of different fast casual concepts. Um, maybe I will do mess of greens. That's an easy one to control. I think you should. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the everything that you're doing while you're in Denver this year. You, like us, have been to all three Slow Food Nations. Yep. And for the third year in a row, you're doing um, the Zero Waste Dinner on Sunday night to wrap, uh, wrap everything up. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about it in Charleston. You're teasing that you're doing that again. Now that you're in town, uh, what's materialized? What's the plan? Have you been able to get an idea of what you're working with? Sure. Well, I can just tell you um, the Zero Waste Dinner. First of all, there's tickets still available for tomorrow night. So Go to please uh, keep that on your radar. And um, we have, I think, about 20 different chefs that are going to be reinterpreting all the um, food that either was not served or was uh, leftover prep or any kind of scraps or even overripe or extra things from the farmer's market. So um, I was just down in the commissary kitchen. Eric Lee is the chef who, on board who is monitoring all the food that's coming in and out of the kitchen. And he um, showed me two and a half pages worth of handwritten notes about the food that's coming in mm -hmm. that we're rescuing and going to reimagine. And uh, in fact, after this at 3.30, we're going to have a meeting of whoever is available to start picking who's going to do what, like just start grabbing ingredients, putting your name on it. And then tomorrow, um, all day, we'll be here from 9.30 in the morning until the event starts, just frantically cooking our butts off, trying to make something new out of old. This sounds like like chopped or something. Like I want to see. <laughs> it's a this. lot of fun I, though. I wish like, it was live streamed to yeah. see what you guys were. Yeah. like. Well, there was a camera crew last year that shot, shot the whole thing. So awesome. um, there may be, there may be more. People yeah. around. Um, and last year, Massimo Batura came and oh, he, yeah. he hung out in the kitchen. He, did, he had a busy schedule, so he wasn't really assigned to a dish, but he stopped by and said hello to everybody. And he came to the dinner, and it was a really nice, spirited event. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then moving back a little bit, so today, this afternoon, you have a author signing right across from where we are right now at the Tattered Cover pop-up. Yeah, so actually at 6 o'clock I'll be at the kitchen counter with Jen Jasinski, oh. and we're doing an Arc of Taste uh, chef demo. Um, I'm going to make bene seed tahini. Uh, bene seeds, is the, they're um, an heirloom sesame that grows in the southeast, so I brought some with me. And, um, and she's doing an heirloom watermelon salad. Well, I think they'll go very well together. I'm just going to serve mine with some raw vegetables. And then I'm going to be at Tattered Cover right there with signing copies of Root to Leaf. Um, so, yeah, should be a good time. How long ago did Root to Leaf come out? Root to Leaf came out 2015, so it's four years old. Wow. Uh, any thoughts about writing another cookbook anytime soon? I am currently working on a new proposal, and it's sort of an extension of the same idea of really reinterpreting, reimagining vegetables, and but maybe punched up a little bit more in flavor, and a little more of a of a global um, flavor palette in that book. So it's, it's an exciting project. Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to ask about an event that's already happened, so you cannot get tickets for it anymore, but you did it. Unless you have a time machine. Yeah. We do this a lot on, on HR, and I feel like we talk about events already happened, and we're like, you can't it's, go anymore. It's the recap. Sorry, We're going to recap it. <laughs> um, you did a dinner with Row 7C Company. Yeah, so Row 7 Seeds is a company that Dan Barber, who is the chef at Blue Hill Stem Barns, 
has started and he's working with breeders to develop fruits and vegetables that have maximum amount of flavor and really just kind of um, coaxing the, the best um, growth out of these plants to make a really delicious uh, starting point for a dish. And um, so they have several varieties of seeds and I worked with their cucumber variety, um, which is grown actually to showcase a little bit of the bitter flavor of cucumber, which is kind of an, an interesting way to go. Um, I mean, the cucumbers can sometimes give off a bit of bitterness, and so we, we really tried to maximize that, um, that flavor potential by uh, taking a half of a cucumber, brushing it with chili oil, and grilling it over wood, and then served it with a chilled salad of watermelon, raw cucumber, crispy pork belly, peanuts, and mint, and it was all uh, tossed in a nook chom, which is a Vietnamese uh, caramel fish sauce. So it was really, um, really delicious and a lot of fun. And then um, Paul Riley and Caroline Glover also did a dish, and both of them did beautiful dishes. Paul worked with the Upstate Abundance potato, which is a row seven seed, and Caroline worked with the Badger Flame beet. Cool. Uh, I recently did a little story for Meet and Three, our, our show Meet and Three, about um, heirloom and heritage uh, varieties of produce. And um, it w I, I recorded some interviews at the Georgia Heritage Food Foods Arrival that happened in March in Savannah. And Sarah Ross, who is the director of the Wormslow Institute, had this a beautiful analogy that if we did, if we don't have all these heirloom seeds available to us, it's like a chef go. Her analogy was a chef only being able to use a couple different vari varieties of produce is like opening a 64-pack crayon box and having three crayons in there. That's exactly right. And I think there's a, a new push for biodiversity mm -hmm. and just diversity in general. I think this is something that we're kind of really having a new awakening around. That um, So many crops have been monocultured for so long, and now we're starting to... I mean, that's what the whole... The arc of taste is all about that, and that's the slow food concept of identifying uh, species, different, different uh, fruits and vegetables, and, and even um, animals that we eat that, that are in danger of disappearing because they kind of fell out of favor. And so it's always that, that one thing that people are ignoring that the chefs are kind of looking towards the next thing that kind of disappear that we can re-conjure re up. And Arc of Taste is a great example of that. Um, looking back, again, another reflective question on 10 years, uh, what have been some of the other um, Arc of Taste or heirloom uh, seeds that you've discovered that you have, have like changed the way you, you cook or have added new flavor to the menu? Well, I mean, one thing I want to mention about Arc of Taste is that I actually helped nominate uh, the Bell of Georgia peach to the list, and it made it onto the list um, a That's couple recent. of years ago. Oh, yeah, okay. maybe last year. So um, that was exciting just to participate in that process. Um, the Sea Island Red Pea, the Benet Seed, we use those all the time at Miller Union. They're definitely part of our flavor profile. Um, there are a lot of really amazing uh, fruits and vegetables. The pawpaw is on there. Um, so, you know, it's just whatever we can get our hands on on the Arc of Taste list, we always want to feature it. It's a good guide. Yes. Good guide to what to cook with. Um, well... It's starting to thunder a little bit. Are we are we worried? Nah. No. We're not this happens worried. every day in the south. <laughs> what are y'all worried about? Used to it. Used to it. Uh, yeah. Our only thing is we have these giant speakers and we're like, we just don't want to get struck by lightning. Um, we've covered all your events at Slow Food, right? Yeah. That's everything. 
Make sure you get tickets to the Zero Waste Dinner on Sunday. They're still available. That's tomorrow. Um, yeah, tomorrow. Um, when did you get into town? I got here Thursday and went straight from the went airport to, the to Annette, where I cooked yeah. the Row 7 dinner. And then, um, yeah, today I was at the, the farmer's market this morning with Alex Seidel and with the folks from Airbnb. Uh, Sarah Brita from Good Food 100 was there. What's up, Sarah? She just and, walked by. Uh, <laughs> and also the market manager at the Union, the Union Station Farmer's Market. And it was wonderful. We had a chance to walk around and talk to some of the purveyors and taste some things. And then we went inside and we had a beautiful plate of stone fruit from the market and some first of the season heirloom tomatoes and some cucumbers and radishes and sheep's milk cheese. And we just had like a little market feast yeah. and some coffee and pastries and a really, really delightful conversation about changing the food system. I love that. So, so we're all going to do it. We're all committed. We're doing it. So you did like an Airbnb experience. That's um, right. And so do you, how, did you enjoy doing that? Do you think you might do that in Atlanta? Like Oh, I think it was a really, park? it's a really great thing that they're focusing on to, to bring people into the conversation about food and the food system. I think it's wonderful to see that their engagement in that. And they're, they're one of the supporters of Slow Food Nations this year, which is really cool. Yeah. It's great. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. I'm we so, like I'm sponsors. Glad to see, yeah, and I, I'm so glad to see, like, non-food companies being savvy and, sure. like, they're adjacent already, but just getting involved and really, like, putting their money where their mouth is. It's awesome. Well, think about it, too. When you stay, when you stay in an Airbnb, there's no restaurant necessarily attached, like a hotel. Yeah. So you're going to have to go out and get something, you know, provisions for your place and... What better place to go than the market, the farmer's market? I love that. Maybe. I always, when I travel in other cities, I always make a point to visit the local farmer's market and get a sense of the community and what's in season. It's such a cool thing to do if you can, if you can find one that fits into your trip and your schedule. Usually Saturday morning is a good, a good place to start. Perfect. So if you're gone for the weekend and you're traveling somewhere, stop by the local farmer's market in whatever city you're in, and you, you might even make some new friends. Yeah. Ask them where you should be eating. Because the farmers are selling to the places that you want to go eat. They know where the good stuff is. Yeah. That yeah. is a hot travel tip. Hot travel tips. Hell yeah. I feel like we're learning a lot. Like, we've already developed our fast casual concept. We know um, how to make paprika. We know how to make paprika. Now we're going to have to, like, start, like, a travel journal with Stephen. Um, and I, I learned how to make strawberry powder. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's thoroughly complicated. Which sounds like, it sounds like it's a, it's like, he- healthy, uh, fun dip. Remember, like, fun oh, dip yeah, yeah, No, yeah. the blog that I saw was, like, this is a great way to make DIY pixie sticks. There That's you go. Crazy. And I did eat, straight up eat a lot of the strawberry powder. Yeah. We should say this freeze-dried anything makes me think that today is the anniversary of the Apollo landing. Oh, hey. that's right. It's in. That's right. Freeze-dried astronaut food. Uh, let's do it. We, yeah. uh, we um, have been thinking a lot about that topic lately, Steven. Yes. <laughs> we have a hey, thinking, uh, thinking about new ways to make things, I saw... Paul Riley at the Row 7 dinner did the coolest idea. He took the, the Upstate Abundance potatoes, very finely diced them. So they were um, like a 16th inch dice, okay? And then he put them in a pan with extra virgin olive oil and salt and was stirring them around, added um, white wine, a little bit of water, Parmesan cheese, onions, garlic, and he made, he basically made a potato risotto. 
by oh, stirring cool. by stirring the potato and the fat and the wine, oh. it releases the starch and then the, and it had is the it, texture of risotto. It was does amazing. Does it pop up at all, or it just gets like really soft? Um, well, the the potatoes had a tiny bit of bite to them, but they okay. had released all their starch, so it was like it was like eating like the potato version of arborio rice. It's like they it must was, lose all their corners when you're cooking them, so exactly. it's not like dice anymore. That's right. That's it's right. Just got that little nugget. They there. rounded off a bit. Yeah. yeah. Stephen, you're making blown. me so. My mind was blown, and he, and he put. Uh, uh, ratatouille over the top, and then uh, sheep's milk feta, and a bunch of herbs, and it was fantastic. Wow! See, and okay. he called it nightshade on nightshade on nightshade. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Take that, Tom Brady. That's right. Um, Sorry, Giselle. That just re- reaffirms it. I have felt this every year that I am really missing out by not going to be so model. I, that is high on my list. And he has Caperto too. Oh. Caperto. That's his new place. And he has a new pizza place. Pizza. 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 Yeah. We know a thing or two about pizza. Um, what, when is the last time that you've been at our studio in Brooklyn? Oh, I was there um, for... Uh, oh, for opening soon. When Tillett did the opening yeah. soon, yeah. So That's we were right. there. I, I cooked at the James Beard House on June 10th. It was actually eight years. It was almost to the day. Of, of the... Okay. Of the time that I cooked there before Which when the Lee brothers were there. Which inspired the Lee brothers' new book. Um, yeah. Hotbox. Hotbox. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, if you haven't read Hotbox yet, think Kitchen Confidential of catering, the yes. catering world. The it dark is so underbelly. It's great. Good. And Stephen is like, basically put that all. We were the motion. catalyst for that. But uh, yeah, we went to Roberta's with um, uh, everybody that cooked the night before. So it was Long Oven from Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we had um, Coquette from New Orleans and Tail Up Goat from D.C., and Miller Union, the four of us, each each one of us did a course. Mm-hmm. It was such a fun dinner. And the next day we all went to Roberta's. Yay. We had all the things, all <laughs> the vegetables, all the salads, all the pizza. And then we had a great interview with Tillett for Opening Soon. It was so good. So it was all about team and culture. Opening Soon is our new show about uh, opening a restaurant. And Tillett is a chef wear company. Jenny and Alex at one point had a restaurant. Alex is a chef. Uh, like it happens with many restaurants, it closed. But pretty, now they, pretty, quickly, pretty as they, quickly, as they will tell you. And New York's tough, you know. And uh, But they now have this really successful company and obviously work very closely with a lot of chefs. So this show is all about how to open your own restaurant. So your the, the topic that your episode focused on was... Team t- and culture. And really just like growing a good culture around your brand and having taking good care of your employees and keeping people there, to, you know, keeping them on, on staff. That's a very uplifting Perks. thing to talk about, and the weather is like getting very it's, dark it and got, gloomy. Yeah. We had a, an yeah. even more <laughs> ominous roll of thunder, so <laughs> it's probably getting to be about time for us to seek shelter. And yeah. scene. <laughs> Steven, um, thank you also, so much. Also, Steven, you have made yeah. me so hungry. So I have to go <laughs> eat. And um, I hope that uh, everybody who has not already gotten their tickets for the Zero Waste Dinner, you better get on it. It's going to be incredible, and you'll get to eat this man's amazing food. And here and, comes the rain. And, and come, here it is. So come back, if you can, for Stephen's book signing in a few hours. Um, thank you, Stephen Satterfield, for sitting down with us, as always. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, Thanks for being on. Yeah. I'm Kat. We have Katie, Hannah. Signing off, thanks again to Big Green Egg, Hearst Ranch, the Julia Child Foundation, and Slow Food USA for having us at Slow Food Nations. We'll be back hopefully after the rain passes. And if big we don't get thanks swept to away. our amazing engineer, Jeet Paul, for setting us up and keeping us safe here and covered <laughs> under this tent. <laughs>